It's crime culture time. It is? It is. Oh no. Are you ready? Oh yes. I'm so ready. I can't wait. Do you know what we're talking about right now? Um, we are talking about the suitcasers. Nope. We are talking Try again. Alright. We are talking about the duffel baggers. Nope. Um we are talking One more time. We are talking about the clutches. The backpacker murders. That was my next guess. That was my next guess. Shout out to everybody in Australia. 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 Melbourne. Melbourne. I don't know if we have any people listening in Melbourne. Let me know. Keith Evan. There's a bunch of people listening in Australia. Keith Evan. Keith Evan. Keith's listening to us right now. Shaking his head. We're we're really excited. I'm listening from Nashville. Uh, Australia was... the first uh, other country that we no, got listening. No, it was not. No, it was not. No, it was England. But I don't. Yeah, count, it was. <laughs> I don't count England because your boyfriend's there. Hey, it was the first. It was the first one. I don't count he, it. He's he's there. Believe me, I I know better than anyone. He doesn't count. I'm telling him you said that. By the time this comes out, we're he not might be gonna, home. We're not gonna have. That's true. That's very true. That's true. All right. I don't. So I don't remember the date that this is coming but out. But he was in England, so like. Anyway, so this yeah, is about anywho. Australia, and this is about the Australia. backpacker murders. Have you heard about the backpacker murders? I've heard about it, but it's been a while, so I don't really remember much. Okay. I have a terrible memory. Like, I know. Low key, I have a. Ter- I've I've asked Haley, maybe, I think fifteen is a fair number times this week. Like, wait. So what are we doing? Wait. So what number is this episode? Yeah, she forgets every time. All the time. All the time. So, uh, I'm probably going to butcher some names because I really should have looked we into... We really it. should have called this the Butcher Cast. Yeah. I really should have uh, looked into how to pronounce a lot of these names before I started this, but uh, now we're too far into it. Yeah, so, and pretty girls don't have to do hard work, so there you go. That's why I got to do the hard work. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, so we're starting. Okay, so... <laughs> On the, that back, note. the backpacker murders <laughs> on september 19th 1992 two runners were enjoying the day at bilangalo state forest in lajala no it's <laughs> bilangalo i looked up that one bilangalo 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 shut up <laughs> they were in bilangalo state forest in new south wales australia uh when they reached a point marked executioner's drop Dun, dun, dun. That sounds good. Right? That's Doesn't a, that sound like the place you want to be hiking? That sounds safe. That sounds like nothing bad is going to happen Yeah, there. when they got to that point, mm, a strong smell hit them. Was it roses? Uh, they originally thought it was a dead animal, but as they got closer to a boulder in an isolated gully, what first appeared to be a kangaroo leg turned out to be a human elbow. <laughs> I, like that. I like that. They confused a human elbow with a kangaroo leg. <laughs> hey, uh, have you ever seen a severed human elbow? No, have you ever seen a, seen a severed kangaroo leg? I would never have come into contact with that. So they're used to seeing... Uh, you've seen like a dead squirrel on the street. No, no, they're all sleeping. Yeah, they are all sleeping. They're all sleeping. But you've seen I've a sleeping seen squirrel a on the street, and then what if one of those times it was... Uh, I don't know. Sleeping on one side of the road and the other half was sleeping on the other? What if it was just a human <laughs> hand? I, I don't know. I've, I mean, I've seen human hands, but they're always attached to their owners. Yeah. So. Uh, fur that they thought they saw sticking out of the leaves was actually hair from a human head. Oh. The following day, police constables Richard Go G-O-U-G-H? Geo? G-O-U-G-H? G-O-U-G-H? 
Gio. Richard Gio. And Suzanne Roberts uh, discovered a second body about 100 feet from the first one. The bodies were soon identified as the missing British backpackers, 21-year-old Caroline Clark and 22-year-old Joanne Walters. They had disappeared from inner Sydney suburb of King's Cross in April of 1992. King's Cross. Not King's Cross. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I'm still going to cheer for it like it is. King's Cross, yeah. Yeah, I'm still going to cheer for it like it is. Yeah. So um, they found out what happened to them, and it's a little rough. Walters had been stabbed 14 times, four times in the chest, once in the neck, and nine times in the back. Oh! Yeah, the stab wounds uh, to her spine would have paralyzed her if she had lived. Oh, my God. Yeah. Clark had been shot 10 times in the head. It was, like, not even kidding. Was there even a head left then? Um, The police believed that it was used as target practice. (gasps) Oh! Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, there were groups of wounds on her what back. What the fuck? There were groups of wounds on the back of her head and on either side. Both girls had been bound and were possi- and there was possible evidence of sexual assault. Possibly worst of all, there was evidence that the killer or killers had chain-smoked through the ordeal, built a fire, and therefore had taken their time at the scene. So they were just hanging out. I know who did it. Yeah? It was the fucking chain-smokers. Yes. That band. So, baby, pull me closer. Allegedly. As I use your head for target practice. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, All right. But, like, come on. This was interesting. Um, And it didn't really, in my research, it didn't really, like, go pan out through anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, It said, it was feared that because the bodies were found lying in the same direction, both their heads were pointed north and their feet were pointed south, that it could be some ritualistic element Ooh, to the killings. That, that's that's an interesting theory. Yeah, there was some, like, there's going to be, spoiler alert, more murders. And, no. Um, yeah. And all the bodies were found in similar positions so they were like huh. this could be like a like a cult thing yeah. or like some weird religion thing but it never really panned out like that i don't know how but that's then why did they do it like coincidental maybe to throw know. them off the scent i don't know it was weird uh despite a thorough search of the forest over the following five days no further evidence or bodies were found by the police investigators had ruled out the possibility of further discoveries within Belangolo state forest um, Belangolo, in, yes. in October of 1993, so just over a year later. That was when Michael was born. Oh my god. Ah! I was almost a year old. Michael was almost like a day old, depending on the day that yeah. they found. Yeah. A local man named Bruce Pryor discovered a human skull and femur in a particularly remote section of the forest. He returned with police to the scene, and two more bodies were quickly discovered and identified Yikes. as Deborah Everest and James Gibson. Gibson's skeleton showed eight stab wounds. Oh, my God. A large knife had cut through his upper spine, causing paralysis. <gasps> stab wounds to his back and chest would have punctured his heart and lungs. Uh, Everest <gasps> had been savagely beaten. Her skull fractured in two places. Her jaw was broken. There was knife marks in her forehead. Oh, my God. This yeah. is like overkill. Yeah. This is this part. Whoever these people are, they've got a lot of rage. Yeah, it gets worse. So, oh, um, joy. She had been stabbed once in the back. Uh, the presence of Gibson's body in Belangolo was puzzling to investigators because his backpack and camera had previously been discovered by the side of the road in Galston Gorge in northern Sydney. Uh, in the northern Sydney suburbs, over 75 miles north. Ooh. So that was weird. In On November 1st, 1993, a skull was found in a clearing in the forest by police sergeant 
Jeff Trichter? Tritcher? Spell? T-R-I-C-H-T-E-R. Trichter. Trichter? Trichter. That's what I'm going with. Okay. The skull was later identified as that of Simone Schmald? S-C-H-M-I-D-L? Schmiedel? Schmiedel? Is it? She was from Rendsburg, Germany. She was last seen hitchhiking. Stop it. She was last seen hitchhiking on January 20th, 1991. Clothing found at the scene was not Schmiedel's, but. Schmiedel. Stop it. (laughs) But matched that of another missing backpacker, Anja Habshid. Spell. H-A-B-S-C-H-I-E-D. I'm not going to spell every single Habshid. name. I'm not doing it every time. Schmiedel skeleton showed eight stab wounds. Uh, there may have been many more. Uh, two oh had severed God. her spine. Others punctured her heart and lungs. Why do they always go for the spine? Yeah. Um, the body of the other girl and her boyfriend, Gabor Neuberger, Neubauer. Can you spell that? No. <laughs> were found on November 3rd, 1993 in shallow graves 160 feet apart. Uh, Habshid had been found decapitated, but despite an extensive search, her head was never found. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what happened. Newbauer had been shot in the head six times. Three bullets entered the base of his head, and three more from the left side. Oh, yeah. So those were all the murders, and they were all found in the same forest, not really in the same place, but. In the but same, in the same forest. Yeah, in the same forest. And I was looking, like, I was looking on a map of Australia, and I expected it to be, like, huge, like a giant forest. Right. And when I zoomed it, like, I, I expected to see it, like, really, really well. Yeah. Like, kind of far zoomed out. But you had to zoom in, like, pretty far to okay. actually see the forest. So it wasn't... It wasn't a huge, It wasn't huge sprawling. Forest. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... I guess once you're in it, it's... Oh, well then, yeah, no, it's nature and it's big and it's scary and it's large. But there are there are bigger forests. Oh, absolutely. So it, it was weird to me because zoomed out as far as I was, it looked like a park. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, there were similar aspects to all of the murders, obviously. Uh, each of the bodies had been deliberately posed face down with their hands behind their backs covered by a pyramid-like frame of sticks and ferns. That's weird. Nope. Yeah. And they're also still facing head north, feet south. Uh, Forensic study determined that each had suffered multiple stab wounds to the torso. The killer had evidently spent considerable time with the victims during and after the murders, as campsites were discovered close to the location of each body and shell casings of the same caliber were also identified at each site. Walters and Schmiedel had been stabbed, whereas Clark and Nugbauer had been shot numerous times in the head and stabbed post-mortem. Habshid oh. had been decapitated, and other victims showed signs of strangulation and severe beatings. Speculation arose that the crimes were the work of several killers, at least two. Oh. After developing a profile of the killer, the police faced an enormous volume of data... Data. 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 <laughs> of data from numerous sources. <laughs> Investigators therefore applied link analysis technology to roads and traffic authority vehicle records, gym memberships. Oh. <laughs> gun licensing. That's clever, though. And international police records. As a result, the list of suspects was progressively narrowed down from an extensive list of individuals to a short list of 230, an even shorter list of 32, which actually ended up including the killer. 
Oh, yeah. that's pretty good then. Yeah, that's pretty good. To narrow that's it down pretty... to 32 people. I'm cool with that. That's pretty tight. On November 13th, 1993, New South Wales police received a call from Paul Onions in the UK. Paul Onions? <laughs> yes. He was in the UK. Onions had been backpacking in Australia several, year- several years before, and while out hiking, he had accepted a ride south out of Sydney by a man only known as Bill, and that was on January 25th, 1990. South of the town of Mittagong, I think that's how you say it, Mittagong, uh, you Bill, can spell it if you want. Nope. <laughs> Bill pulled out some ropes and attempted to tie onions by the hands and then pulled a gun on him. At oh. which point he managed to escape the vehicle while Bill shot at him. Onions flagged down Joanne Berry, a passing motorist, and reported the assault to local police. Onions' statement was backed up by Berry, who also contacted the investigation team, along with the girlfriend of the man who worked with Ivan Malat, who was the yeah. guy, the yeah. guy uh, who thought he would he should be questioned for the case on april 13th 1994 detective gordon found a note regarding onions call to the hotline five months earlier superintendent clive small immediately called for the original report from barrel police um but it was missing from their files so they didn't have the original report of when paul onions said hey this guy (laughs) totally tried to murder me also quick aside there's no fucking way his real name is Onions. Nope, his name is Onions. There is not a fucking... Uh, he probably changed his name. Nope. For the sake of anonymity. It's not. His it, name is Paul he, Onions. Who the fuck names Wait, their family back, Onions? He comes back it's into the story. Not, it's not. They were onion farmers. I don't know, maybe. They weren't onion farmers. Like You don't I'm know sorry. that. Um. What? All right. Have you ever heard of the famous onion farms of the UK? Maybe they didn't always live in the UK. All right. Where else would he farm onions? Where are they farm onions? I don't know. I don't know. If you farm onions, let us know. Yeah, where where are you? <laughs> this is tearing us apart. Um, fortunately, Constable Janet Nicholson had taken a full report in her notebook, which provided more details than the original statement. Dope as shit. Girls keeping notes. Love it. Gotta keep those Girls. receipts. I, you know, and I was about to say that too, like... Everybody knocks the women for hanging on to those receipts. I always have so many notes. Like, in my job, I have to write down, like, anytime, pretty much anytime I call somebody, anytime somebody comes into the office. So, whenever somebody asks me a question, I always write it down on their file. Yeah. And then somebody comes back and is like, well, you never gave me this. And I'm like, here it is. They came in at this day, this or like somebody will come in and be like, "I told you this, blah 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 blah." Like, I was no, here, I was here a month ago, and I was like, "Actually, I stamped it, and you were only here like a week and a half ago." <laughs> Maybe it felt like a month to them. Yeah. So, like Janet Nicholson, keep your receipts, girl. Um, police confirmed Ivan's brother Richard had been working the day of the attack, but Ivan had not. This is the guy they were looking into the best. So a little background on Ivan Malat. Um, He was Ivan Robert Marco Malat was born on December 27th, 1944 in Guildford, New South Wales, Australia. Okay. He was the son of a Croatian immigrant. Here's the name that I can't pronounce. We're going to call him Stephen, but it's spelled. Okay. S-T-I-J-P-H-A-N. S T I J J P H A N Steichfen 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 Marco Steven Melant Really? Yeah. 
Wait, so he's Steichvin Marco Steven? Well, his Steven was in quotes that they called him Steven. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you weren't just like, I thought that you were doing like the whole fucking Ellis Island thing where it's like, oh, your name is... Oh, is, I can't pronounce your name? This is what your yeah, name is. Yeah, now your name is John. No, he went by Steven. Okay. Um, and he married an Australian woman named Margaret Elizabeth Malott. Uh, Ivan was the fifth born of their 14 children. Oh! 14! Children. Well, that's it, everybody. We found out why he's a killer. Yeah, uh, as Chris Hardwick once said, the fresher the mayo, the better the sandwich. I so if don't you have know. that is no, <laughs> if you have no, that many you kids, deserve to be arrested. The that's fifth a of no 14. from me. No, that's disgusting. Even I also hate mayo. But even in 1944, like he was the fifth born in 1944. So what they was the 14th early. burn? born they they went they started like elizabeth battery young is what they fucking did yeah right um he was employed as a road worker his trouble with the law enforcement started at the age of 17 when he was repeatedly arrested for breaking into cars and houses as well as armed robbery Uh uh-oh and during this investigation he quickly became a suspect police learned that he had served prison time in 1971 and had been charged with the abduction of two women and the rape of one oh although the charges were later dropped what the fuck it was the 70s shit was crazy i'll say everybody was Um, on acid it was also learned that both he and his brother richard Mallott worked together on road gangs along the highway between sydney and melbourne um, that he owned property in the vicinity of Belangelo and that he sold a Nissan Patrol four-wheel drive vehicle shortly after the discovery of the bodies of Clark and Walters. Acquaintances also told the police that Milan's obsession uh, was weapons. Oh, that's a healthy obsession. There's pictures of him literally just holding a gun. He looked like it just making the weirdest face. I don't know why, but he was wearing like a very straight cowboy hat and he's holding a gun and there's just a slew of guns all around him he would do well in america it was just a weird picture um yes he was obsessed with weapons Hmm. and when the connection between the belangelo murders and onions experience was made onions flew to australia to help with the investigation oh bless onions i always knew that there was a reason i liked onions yes onions on may 5th 1994 onions positively identified Malant as the man who had picked him up and attempted to tie him and possibly murder him. Malant was arrested on May 22nd, 1994 at his home in Cinnabar Street, Eagle Vale, after 50 police officers surrounded the premises, including heavily armed police officers from the Tactile Operations Unit. It took police negotiator Wayne Gordon two phone calls and 30 minutes to get Malant out of the house. And also, I was like two, day- two weeks old. Yes. <laughs> when Gordon first asked... Mr. Malant, uh, Mr. Ivan Malant, is it? A male voice answered, no, he's not here at the moment. Oh, that's, that's convincing. <laughs> yeah. But Gordon... Throw, throwing your voice. Yeah, but Gordon knew it was Malant's voice. Um, no, he's not here. <laughs> yeah. He said, quote, he was confident and cocky. He wanted to be in charge, or he attempted to be. I think he was trying to hide things in the cavities of the walls of his house during that time. Oh, my God. <laughs> What a fucking idiot. You're surrounded by 50 police. <gasps> well, that's, gone, like, man. that's like the, um, what do you call it? John D'Angelo, Joseph D'Angelo, um, who, the Golden State Killer, when they went to arrest him, apparently, he was like, I have a roast in the oven. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't 
don't know why I find that really funny. He was like, but I have a roast. It's but I can't go. This is a really bad time to go to jail. Hey, like, I'm happy to feed you guys. Wait, if this you can is, just... it gets even better. Ready? Okay. Um, eventually, Milan agreed to come out once he, quote, put me pants on. <laughs> so he's in his undies, <laughs> shoving weapons and into you a know, wall. And you know those undies. He's are, not home right you now. Know, you know those undies are tiny whities. They're horrible. You know they're tidy whities But they're, like, discolored because he washed them too many times. Yeah. No, 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 because he didn't wash them enough. No, because he doesn't put them in the right laundry cycle, so he puts them in with, like, yeah, so his like, black they're towel. They're, like, dingy gray because Ooh. he was never taught how to sort his laundry. That was for the other 13 children to learn. Yeah, right. That wasn't his chore. Yes. His chore was hunting game for the family to eat. Clearly. <laughs> On the second phone call, Smalls recalls, uh, quote, Ivan sounded calm and told Gordon he thought it was... Quote, someone from work ringing up for a joke. Gordon assumed Ivan, uh, Gordon assured Ivan that it was no joke. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Like what even? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Ivan laughed People. and told Gordon that he looked out of the window, but couldn't see any police. When Gordon repeated his instructions, Ivan went on laughing and ignored the instructions. Oh my God. That's me. This guy's that a would fucking definitely be crazy me. man. Eventually or Ivan. dumb. Yeah. Eventually, Milan emerged with his girlfriend, Chandler, C-H-A-L-I-N-D-E-R. Chalinder. I thought you weren't going to spell anymore. I, no, this one's a weird one, though. I've never seen Chalander. this name. Chalinder. 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 I'm done with it. And the <laughs> pair stood the on the lawn as Milan had was handcuffed, ready to walk through, um, ready for a walkthrough of the house. God, imagine that being your boyfriend. Right? Like... No, but... They're gonna find out that she's not that innocent. Oh, she's Brittany, bitch. Uh, Clive, it's Brittany, bitch. Clive Small remembers he seemed unfazed by the fact that he'd been charged with the abduction of Paul Onions and the seven backpacker murders. Um, oh, the seven backpacker murders would not be laid... Would not be charged until after the police had gathered the evidence from the house. So he right now he's okay. only being uh, brought in for... Paul Onions' yeah. abduction. Yeah. Uh, quote, his demeanor was still one of the man in control. Mm-hmm. Small told um, Mail Online. Oh. <laughs> it was all one word, so it looked weird. <laughs> it was Mail okay. Online. This is the website that I got the, the stuff from. Can you spell it? It's Mail Online. No, one but word. I, I'm sorry. I could, I could really use... Some... I'm flipping her off right now. <laughs> Just wanted to let everyone know. Uh, my impression was that he didn't know what the fuss was about. He was enjoying the attention. He'd gotten away with it before and had the view he'd be back home for tea. Well. Yep. That's, that's a, everybody has dreams. Yep. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, this is Clive Small. He goes on to say, he thought he'd get off, but, oh, sorry. Yeah, totally, you thought he'd get off. <laughs> I, was to, I was totally looking at a different line of this outline. He thought he'd you go. He thought he'd get off, and then suddenly you're like, "Oh, oh god!" My Paul eyes did like a, my eyes did a weird Paul holes. Thing. Stop it! <laughs> uh, he All thought, the Pauls. He thought he'd get off, but that was his last moment of freedom. He'd been in custody ever since, and I don't imagine for a man who likes to be in control, he can have a good time in jail. <laughs> Holmes uh, belonging. I don't think that even matters if you're trying. No one has a good time in jail. No. Uh, Holmes belonging to his brothers Richard, Alex, Boris, Walter, and Bill were also searched at the same time by over 300 police officers. Oh my god. Well, he has 14 siblings. They gotta. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, 13 siblings. He's the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the search of Malant's home revealed a cache of weapons, including parts of a 22 caliber rifle that matched the type used at the murders, oh. plus clothing, camping equipment, and cameras belonging to several of the victims. <gasps> Gee, I wonder if he did it. Yeah, right? Milan appeared in court on robbery and weapons charges on May 23rd. He did not enter a plea. On May 30th, following continued police investigations, Milan was also charged with the murders of the seven backpackers. Oh, At the beginning of February 1995, Milan was remanded in custody until June of that same year. In March of 96, the trial opened and lasted 15 weeks. Oh, wow. His defense argued that in spite of the evidence, there was no proof that Milan was guilty and attempted to shift the blame to other family members, particularly his brother, Richard. Oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. On July 27, 1996, a jury found Malant guilty of the murders, and he was also convicted of the attempted murder and false imprisonment and robbery of Paul Onions, for which he received six years um, jail each. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not bad. Overall, that's, yeah, that's pretty okay. And that was, that was just for, um, for Onions. Yeah. For the murders of Caroline Clark, Joanne Walters, Simone Schmeidel, Anja Habsheed. Gabor Nugbauer, James Gibson, and Deborah Everest, uh, Malant had given a life sentence for each count, with all sentences to be run consecutively without the possibility of parole. Yes. So he got seven life sentences, no possibility of parole, plus six years jail. How do you like them apples? Yeah. How do you like them onions? (laughs) (laughs) That should be his catchphrase. Uh, on the first day in uh, the Maitland jail, Milant was beaten by another inmate. Oh, that's Almost cute. a year later, he made an escape attempt alongside a convicted drug dealer and Why former did they Sydney. Do this? Yeah, and for, <laughs> former Sydney counselor George Savas. Savas George Sass. Savas. S a v v a s. I thought you said Sass, and I was like, I got some jokes. No, no longer. Uh, Savas was found hanged in his cell the next day oh, from no. an attempted suicide. Uh, after the escape plan failed and Milan was transferred to a maximum security super prison. Super, it literally super said super prison. prison. In Goldburn, Go, I think it's Goldburn, New South Wales. Okay. Uh, Milan, uh, this is one of my favorite things, his appeals and uh, what oh, he did no. at, in jail. Oh, no. <coughs> Sorry about that. Milan appealed against his convictions on the grounds that um, the quality of legal representation he received was poor and therefore constituted a breach of his common law right to legal representation established in the landmark case of something versus the queen. I don't really Okay. Care. He is making shit up. Okay. However, um, Gleason, CJ, Meager, JH, and Newman, J. I don't know why these are all letters I, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense of the new south wales court of criminal appeal held that the right to legal representation did not depend on any level or quality of representation unless the quality of the representation was so poor that the accused were no better because of it the court found that this was not the case and therefore dismissed the appeal so he was like i didn't get a fair trial because my lawyers were stupid and the lawyers were like no we're not <laughs> and the you judge was stupid. like and the judge was like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and go fuck. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> in 2004, Malant filed an application with the high court, which was heard by Justice Michael McHugh. The order sought that uh, Malant be allowed either to attend 
to make oral submissions in an impending appeal for special leave oh, to the court. If he's getting his ass kicked in prison, he's already making oral submissions. Yeah, I guess so. Um, alternatively, he'd be allowed to appear via vi- video link. The application was dismissed on the grounds that the issues raised could be adequately addressed by written submissions. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ivan. Welcome to my channel. <laughs> yeah, right? Today we're going to be doing a makeup tutorial. <laughs> Shit, you get in jail. <laughs> uh, I'm going to first use the blood of one of my victims as a nice <laughs> blush. And also, my friend Elizabeth says that it's got great skin cure purifying properties. Uh, the grounds of his impending appeal were that the trial judge had... Uh, Erred allowed the uh, what the fuck is this words? Can you spell it? <laughs> no, it's just I I wrote it I wrote it really weird. Um, maybe you should spell it. No, bitch, <laughs> I'm not. Um, I feel like it would really help. I think basically the jury, better. unsupported by its own witnesses, uh, had also put forward alternative cases to the jury, one of which had not been argued by the crown. The case was heard by Justice William Gamo. And the application was lost. Gamo said, get fuck. So he got um, denied twice, and then the application was just they, lost. No, quotes. I'll tell you exactly what they did. One looked the other way and went, oops, and into the trash it went. Yeah. Uh, this is hilarious. On January 26, 2009, Malant cut off his little finger with a plastic knife uh, with, the intention, with the intention of mailing the severed digit to the high court. Oh, that's one way to get them. I want Bobby to notice me, so I'm going to send in my finger. Yeah, do a fucking, uh, what's Black mirror? Name? Oh. No, the painter. The cut off his Van ear. Gogh? Van Gogh. Or that's it. isn't it Van Gogh? Shut up. Van Gogh. Uh, he was I taken to that. he was taken to the hospital under high security. However, the next day, Malant was returned to the prison after doctors decided surgery to reattach the finger was not possible. Gee. Milan had previously injured himself while in prison in 2001 when he swallowed razor blades, staples, what? and other metal what objects. The fuck, Ivan. This is the best one. Be normal for five fucking minutes. No, this is the best one. In 2011, Milan went on a hunger strike, losing 55 pounds in an unsuccessful attempt to be given a PlayStation. Is he 12? Yes. That's literally what like every boy in my sixth grade class would have done. Yeah. Besides, like, tell me to kill myself. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is, um, a copycat. Oh, come on. By a family member. <gasps> Was it Richard? No. Oh, come on. In Everything's Richard's fault. In 2012, Malant's great nephew, Matthew Malant, was sentenced to 43 years in prison, and his friend, Cohen Klein, was uh, sentenced to 32 years in prison for the murder of David Archiloni. On his 17th birthday with an axe at the Belangelo State Forest. What? And that happened in 2010. Uh, Matthew Malant struck Av- Archelone with the double-headed axe as Klein recorded the attack with his <gasps> cell phone. What the fuck? Yeah. This was the same forest where Ivan Malant had killed and, bur- and buried all of his victims. They were both 19 at the time of the sentencing. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, when have you heard a copycat? I've never heard of about a that. A family member. Yeah. That's crazy. And like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Something something about their genetics, all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, so, back to Ivan. Police maintain that Malat may have been involved in many more murders, um, 
more than the seven that he was convicted for. In 2001, Mallant was ordered to give evidence to an inquest into the disappearances of three other female backpackers, but no case had been brought against him due to the lack of evidence. Similar inquiries were launched in 2003 in relation to the disappearance of two nurses, and again in 2005 relating to the disappearance of hitchhiker Annette Briffa, but no charges were resulted. Okay. On November 8, 2004, Mallant gave a televised interview on Australian Story in which he denied that any of his family be implicated in the seven murders. Except, you know, Matthew. Yeah. Um, no, this was before. This was in 2004, and his oh, great okay. nephew didn't and do that, that stuff until 2012. Yeah. Well, it happened in 2010. He got charged in 2012. Right. On July 18, 2005, Mallant's former lawyer, John Marsden, who had been fired before the murder trial, made a deathbed statement in which he claimed that Mallant had been assisted by his sister, Shirley Soiree, Soiree, Soiree? S-O-I-R-E, but there's no accent. Oh. Soiree. Swire? Something like that. I don't know. She, uh, she's a bitch. She's a family member of a She killer. doesn't deserve to have her yeah, name pronounced. Yeah, and was allegedly assisted Mallant in the killings of two of the British backpackers. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that would make sense because they were like, yeah, definitely some of these were a two-person job. Yeah. Um, I bet she was the target practice one. I I don't know know why. Or they, I don't know, I don't know how she would have helped. Or she, like, having her in the car being like, oh, well, a creepy guy's picking me up, but there's also a woman in the car, so it makes me feel a little bit safer. Yeah. Yeah. On October 27, 2005, in New South Wales Supreme Court, Mallant's final appeal was refused, and he was likely to remain in prison for the rest of his life. Good. In May 2015, Mallant's brother Boris told Dr. Stephen Apron, a former homicide detective who serves as a consultant with the LAPD and the FBI, among others, that Mallant was responsible for another shooting, that of a tapsy taxi cab driver, Neville Knight, in 1962, after Mallant admitted to the crime. Oh my God. After conducting polygraph tests with Boris Mallant and Alan Dillon, the man convicted of the, the guy that was actually convicted of <gasps> the shooting. Oh no. Uh, Apron is convinced that both men are telling the truth and that Ivan Mallant did in fact shoot Knight. In May 2016, it was announced that Mallant's former home in Eagle Vale, New South Wales was for sale and it was listed on the market for $700,000. Want to buy a house? Yes. Let's okay. buy this a be, killer's house. This could be our like summer home. Yeah, why not? We can we can summer in the Belangelo forest. Yeah. And oh, then... and uh, let me just tell you how much of a badass Paul Onions is. Well, I mean, his last name is Onions. Yeah. You just got onioned. Um, he gave back the money that he got from his reward. Ooh. So he helped convict Ivan Mallant, but he gave the money back. That's really He nice. told the Sunday Herald Sun that he can't remember how long he kept the reward check of more than $200,000, but he was always certain that he would never cash it. That's really In nice. In his eyes, it was blood money or hollow money that would never bring him any joy. It was a constant reminder of his involvement in one of the most terrifying chapters of Australian's criminal history. That's very nice. Uh, he said, quote, at first they said, do you want the money? And I was like, no, no, no. Then th- they wouldn't really let me, <laughs> they wouldn't really let it go and they gave me a check. After attempting to move on with his life, he walked into the Australian High Commission in London and handed the check over in an, em- in an envelope. Quote, it was about 10 years ago. I said, just give that back to the government. Mr. Onions is not wealthy, but he believes that if he took the money, then, quote, everything you ever buy, it's like false money, isn't it? Hollow money. Everything you buy, you don't have any joy in it. 
Wow. Yeah. That's so profound. Right? Isn't that crazy? That's really great. Um, also, I don't. I thought I had written it somewhere, but I guess I didn't. Um, you know how Ivan Milot kept Souvenirs. stuff yeah. from his victims? Yeah. Some stuff, because he killed a bunch of women, he would give it to his girlfriend. <gasps> she would wear it. There are uh, pictures of her wearing clothes. No. Yes, there are pictures of her wearing clothes from the victims. Pictures of him wearing clothes <gasps> from the victims, using the f- some of their this shit. This fucking goodwill! Right? It's fucking crazy. What the fuck? And it's not like he killed them for the stuff, because it was, no. like, shirts and, like... Yeah. They were backpackers. They weren't yeah. carrying, like, crazy stuff. They weren't stuff. great, like... And it was the 90s. They weren't carrying, like, laptops yeah. and expensive cameras yeah. and stuff. It was crazy. So, um, this whole story uh, was the basis for a 2005 Australian film, Wolf Creek. Yep. And um, that movie centers around the murders of two British females and an Australian male. And I watched this movie one night with my friend Taylor. And at that <laughs> hi point... Hi, Taylor. <laughs> hi, Taylor. At that point, he lived around the block from me. And I remember... Oh watching in his living room and it was dark and then i walked home afterwards oh that's a mistake i think i I pretty much sprinted home yeah it was just yeah terrifying yeah no like i I enjoy watching horror movies but still i'm always like no a little sketched out about it no he got a rotten tomato score of 53 an audience score of 49 uh the score on google was 79 and the critics consensus was that the wolf creek is an effective Hor- is effectively horrific it's still a tasteless exploitation wow that's that's some strong language yeah there was a lot of shit that uh was really fucked up in that movie but the guy uh, that they cast as ivan Malat, like it, they changed the names obviously because yeah. it wasn't like a biopic right but the guy that they cast as that character looked exactly how i think he would look I'm was pic- so I'm, creepy. I'm low-key picturing the dude that abducted Elizabeth Smart. No, he, but like after he wasn't, they found him. He wasn't like huge beard and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's it what I just... keep picturing. I picture like Rasputin. <laughs> no, uh, I'll post like the trailer or something of Wolf yeah. Creek on the website. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know that there was actually a sequel called Wolf Creek 2 that was released in 2013. That got a Rotten Tomato score of 48, audience score of 39. Yeah, that's Google about score to be of 85. All right, someone needs to, like, tell Google to calm the fuck down. Yeah, I don't know who's voting for this shit on Google. It's Ivan Malat. Yeah, right? (laughs) But the critics' consensus was, after a strong start, Wolf Creek 2 devolves into an unnecessary and disappointingly predictable sequel. Which, I mean... All sequels. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, An Australian miniseries spun off from the Wolf Creek franchise uh, premiered on the Pop Network in the U.S. in October 14th, night... 2016. (laughs) 1916 why not yeah john jarrett that's the guy that played the the guy in the wolf creek movies he reprises his role as mick taylor uh which is the the villain and the series ran for two seasons to generally good reviews Mm. nickel i I think it's nickel gun of decider tv wrote quote it's beautifully filmed with cinematography usually reserved for the big screen and it's chilling and unforgettable David Knox of TV Tonight awarded the premiere four out of five stars and wrote, if there's a box Wolf Creek hasn't gotten checked, it's hard to find here. Oh. Yeah. So it actually got a Rotten Tomato score of 85, an audience score of 55, right, and a Google, Google score of yeah. 91. Okay, Google. Yeah. Um, a two-part miniseries on the Seven Network called Catching Malat was screened in 2015 and focuses on the members of Task Force Air who tracked Malat. 
Clive Small, a former assistant police commissioner who was at the he was there at the time of Malat's arrest. Right. Um, he was the retired detective and now author, served as the investigation head team of the Air Force. Um, he was criticized. He has criticized the program as a marginally fictional account, especially overstating the role of Detective Paul Gordon. So he was like, Paul Gordon didn't do as much shit as uh, this thing is making him sound like. Uh-oh. Yeah. And he actually wrote um, a book about the case called Milan Inside Australia's Biggest Manhunt. He wrote that with Tom Gilling. There's also um, a couple other books that I'm going to put on there, which are really cool. And what else did I have here? Oh, this was very interesting. Uh-oh. This was a deep dive. I think I was on like a couple pages on Google oh, when I found no. this. So um, there was something that was advertised in Australia called the Extreme Terror Tour. And um, advertising copy for the tour included, quote, Come with us to Belangelo, where Ivan Malat buried the bodies of his victims. Once you enter Belangelo State Forest, you may never come out. Um, I it, That's not something yeah, I would be doing. It was deemed by many as insensitive to the victims and families. Oh, I completely agree. Because they were just doing like a walking tour of yeah. where he killed all these people. Matthew Malant's uh, victim's grandmother, Sandra, so yeah. his, the, the kid that his nephew killed, said, quote, if they want to put that money to some good use, donate it to the victims or a homicide support group. They're the ones helping people like us. Right. Luis Edwards, the manager of the Ghost Tours, said on Channel 10's The Project, quote, in hindsight, the forethought of the marketing was definitely not up to scratch. Hmm. Yeah. Wonder why. Why? It seems like such a good idea. Yeah, and why did the whole thing sound like a good idea? Yeah. She said since the insensitive media coverage of their tour, they had received hate mail and also, quote, some very lovely emails that have really put their point across clearly and made us see this in a different light. Earlier, Edwards said that they had been doing ghost tours because, quote, nobody was interested in plain old historical tours. I get that. <laughs> I'm going to be going to I, Savannah in October, and I really, really want to do one of the ghost tours there. Yeah, but, like, this goes beyond a ghost tour. Yeah, it's, like, and it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's more like, recent. It's yeah. not like a go to it's the, pretty the place. It's fresh. Yeah, it's not like go to the place where Abraham Lincoln was shot. Or where he killed vampires. Yeah. It's 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 real. It's there's pretty, still victims' families. Yeah, there's still people yeah. who are suffering from that and have to deal with that every day. Yeah. And, like and She said, quote Go visit Paul Onions. <laughs> yeah, right. She said, quote, there's a culture within the paranormal industry of people who are really interested in crime scenes and the tours are being run with great respect. I don't know. But the way that they are they being run with great respect because you're saying they're being run with great respect? Because we or... are clearly of the group that would be like, yes, I want to see that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that out of, like, I don't know. Going there on your own and being like, I, I want to check this place out is different yeah. than, like, doing a guided tour. Yeah. And charging money for it. Yes. And being, and it's not like they're even doing, like, oh, and a portion of the proceeds are yeah, going obviously. to a charity set up in benefit of the victims and their families, something like that. Like, yeah, obviously, if it's, you're if making money like, off of other people's suffering. Yeah. If they were doing this as, like, um, to raise awareness of, like, this yes. is something in our history that happened and it was horrible. Yes. And the money is all going to the victims' families yes. and to um, stop anything like this from happening again. Yes. Then that would make more sense. But 
the way they went about it was weird yeah they're treating this like they're carnival barkers at a free free show yeah uh, the chief executive of New South Wales Victims of Crime Assistance League, Robin Cotterell Jones, told the ABC that these tours uh, rips the scars open again for the families of murder victims. Yeah. Quote, the idea so soon after his crimes in Belangelo and more recent crimes as well of having people tramping over the sites that are still very special is very concerning to the families. Mm-hmm. Oh, when I the, can agree. Yeah. When the New South Wales premier, Mike Byard learned of the tours, he called them completely and utterly outrageous and said that no permit for such tour had ever been approved. Uh, the Extreme Terror Tour was being aver- advertised as costing $150 per person. Oh my... All right, now see, that's extensive. That's too much. Yeah. Like, you can't even try to say that you're being respectful when you're charging, like, an exorbitant amount of money to see yeah, and you the sites where people were murdered. Yeah, and you wouldn't put, like some of that money towards a charity or something yeah, yeah. whatever i don't know I hate um this next thing is a story i found on reddit oh i love reddit <laughs> i love reddit so take this with a little grain of salt may or may not be true it's 100 percent true i believe um, it already this is from r slash let's not meet okay and what is the username cu underscore ui okay because you can learn a lot from someone's username sometimes yeah okay go ahead um, so this person says, this happened a couple years ago when I was backpacking in Australia. I traveled Sorry. around, I traveled around driving a van like many backpackers there do, as it saves a lot of money with accommodation. I usually slept in rest areas, gas stations, or wherever I could park. This sounds one night. Safe. Uh, what? That sounds safe. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Not really. Uh, this one night I've been driving for a few hours and started to feel sleepy. I decided then to stop at the next rest area in the middle of nowhere. Parking in that location during daytime would be a great idea, but at night it seemed like a horror movie location. So they knew going into it. This yeah. is creepy. They're like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Yeah. There's no car... <laughs> there were no cars parked there. I know I should park where more people are around, but I was really drowsy, and there were no lights whatsoever. I turned the en- <gasps> I turned off the engine, closed the curtains of the van, and went to sleep. It was not long before dawn that I heard some heavy knocking on the side of the van open up it's the police nothing wakes you up faster than that yeah my heart was racing i was adjusting to the adrenaline rush in my system when the repeat when the heavy knocking was repeated saying that it was the police again my first thought is that i parked somewhere i shouldn't but then again it was the middle of nowhere and it was a rest area before opening up with my mind telling me that the situation was weird as fuck i decided to go slowly to one of the windows and look through the gap of one of the curtains i could clearly see the shape or shadow of some guy standing beside the van his car wasn't too far off but it didn't have any lights on or flashing the guy was definitely not a cop bringing up the courage i had i had left i just shouted get the fuck away i have a gun and i'm calling the cops on the radio i didn't have a radio or a gun but that seemed to phase him i saw him getting back into his car and to add to the creepiness someone came out of the bushes and also got (gasps) in the car that is the creepiest thing i could think of that's the worst part that's horrifying oh my god yeah they left in a few minutes after that i turned on my van drove in the opposite direction that they went in safe to say that i never slept in another rest area and didn't have at least a couple of other cars parked around uh i don't know what those people wanted but with australia's history of the backpacker killers i'm very happy to say that i'm here today oh my god yeah that's i just a, thought like i found that story oh. and i was like ooh, that's kind of interesting to add oh my god oh my god that's yeah. like oh 
Oof. Yeah. But um, that's not just a no. That's a hell no. No. So that's Ivan Milan. And the Backpacker Murders of Australia. Oh, Ivan. I'm sorry I butchered every single person's name and every single location in Australia. Paul Onions, I'm sorry that is your Paul name. Paul Onions has, like, the best name. Debatable. I wonder if he has a lot of layers. <laughs> <laughs> what would be, like, a good name for, like, his wife? Rosemary Onions. Mm. Mm. Tasty. Fried. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait! When they got married, did they exchange onion rings? No, I was gonna say her name should be her name should be rings, so that when it's like last name first, it's last, onion. Last rings. name rings, first name onions. <laughs> no, it's opposite. Not it. <laughs> oh God, you're so dumb. All right, I'm not dumb. You're gonna give me a complex. Good. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Uh, go Thanks to the for website. This far. Yes, we have a website. Crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. It has not changed. Nope. It's got all of our social media on it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, there's a link for Spotify up there. We're not on Spotify currently. We're trying. As the time of recording this, we're, this we're, that may change. We're, we're making moves. We're trying. We're You'll check our social media if we're on spotify but you'll hear about it trust me but the spotify link that's on there currently has links to um playlists for different episodes so obviously our mark david chapman episode had a lot of songs that went along with it um other other ones had a bunch of songs that went along with it so go over there and check that out um i'll put a list to the reading list of all the books about this episode on there uh, from goodreads yeah. So you can get some good reads. So you can get on some this case. Some and others. Tasty reads. And email us crimeculturepod yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah. And let us know what you want to hear. Right. Or if you have any connections or scary things or anything yeah. that you want to tell. I like a good <laughs> creepypasta. Spooky spaghetti. Yep. I forget the other ones. We had a lot of them. Nighttime Gnocchi, I think, was one of them. No, my sister came up with a bunch of them. Oh, she did? Yeah. I don't know where my phone is, oh. but like she came up with some good ones. So I'll That'd be read great. those Hi, later on. Hi, Jean. Hi, Megan, because Megan's going to be mad if I don't say her name, too. Hi, Megan. And hi, Timmy, because... Timmy's all right that's not yeah. that's enough with the shout outs and now i want to say hi to my oncologist no um i i i that not was the oncologist first, that was the first doctor that came into my head and i don't know why like my dermatologist nephew's cousin's hamster we're gonna leave now hello butters thanks for listening <laughs> we're gonna see you next tuesday <laughs> bye bye